Hey, Evan. What's up? Not much, man. Just uh, here to do another episode of Left on Red, which yeah, I don't know the, if you remember, uh, but that's another episode a, of the Left on Red podcast. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but that's the show. We do it weekly, you and I. Um, I know you've been suffering from sort of selective amnesia after yeah. your unfortunate uh, bout of, of Havana syndrome. Yeah, yeah, I do try to forget every conversation I have with you. Yeah, well, it seems that way, actually. All, all, <laughs> all uh, more revolting and <laughs> and unsettling than the last. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, all jokes aside, it does seem like you make an attempt to forget everything I've ever told you. And uh, Why is that? No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't what do you mean by on. that? It, I mean nothing by that. Why don't you, why don't you expand for the listeners <laughs> your thoughts about that? <laughs> I don't actually have any. I was just being you sassy. Don't have it. Oh, yeah, you're just, being, uh, you're just being a bully, you might say. Yeah, a bully I guess that you, you claim to was, not be. <laughs> I guess you could say I was just, just viciously bullying you. Yeah. Just dude, really what? just rubbing your face in your own piss. I, I am calling an ambulance <laughs> bad, as we speak. Bad, bad, Evan. <laughs> Learn from your you mistakes, you filthy pig. <laughs> anyway, we'll just edit that out in post. Um, so <laughs> no, no, keep it in. Keep it in. So welcome once again to Left on Red. Uh, as always, I am Cam. Uh, yeah, I am uh, I'm Evan, <laughs> commonly known as the Piss Minister. <laughs> <laughs> the Vicar of Piss. Uh, <laughs> the, post of, the Pope of PP. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyhow. So, anyway. <laughs> so welcome, uh, gentle listener. We are glad to have you back. Um, we've got a special one for you today. Um, this is going to be uh, veering off in a direction that we haven't gone in before. <laughs> and uh, I hope that you like it. Um, but before we start... Uh, I certainly don't have anything to talk about because I spent like my whole day finishing this. Yeah. But uh, is there anything that you wanted to discuss before we like dive into the stupid <laughs> shit that I've got concocted for you? <laughs> so, so first of all, I just want to say that Cam texted me today and he says he's not going to do the episode that he was going to do. Well, this is yesterday. I texted you that. Was it yesterday? Oh, yeah, man, I know the days bleed together because life is a dystopian hellscape. But yeah, yeah that was yesterday. I wake that up. I... <laughs> um, but. So I guess that was yesterday. He says uh, yeah. that he's changing the episode. He's not going to tell me, and he wants it to be a surprise. <laughs> and so I just opened, the, literally just now, the document. I have no idea who the fuck this is. Yeah. <laughs> but I, as my cat is going, did you did you just hear my cat just like no. sprint around like a madman? He's going crazy. No, just I never hear your cat. Forth. Like even when you say that he's like yelling, I can never pick it up. He's always really? at a frequency that just doesn't register on the. Uh, Oh, he's just running back and forth behind me right now. Good for him. There's a we, yeah. so we're cat sitting. I've told you this. Bausch, she's out in the hallway, the hallway Bausch, right now. That's school. a good cat name. I know, and I'm assuming that's a reference to somebody or something, but I don't know what it I is. Assume. It's not my friend's cat. It's my roommate's friend's cat, and um, she's a very sweet cat, but she's like screaming in the hallway, like please let me in. But when I let her in, she just comes in and like, I have this vase of dried flowers that I keep on the desk in here that I just yeah. think look really cool. She just tries to eat them and then throws them up on my rug. So it's like I, at least while we're recording, like I can't, <laughs> I can't. Be yeah, you just it. you just faintly hear. Yeah, right. I I really don't want um, you know, caramelized rose petals embedded in my rug when I can't stop and clean them up because they harden like cement, and I I know that from experience now. So yeah. Um, plus, I don't know if rose petals are particularly good for cats to eat. 
I don't I don't know if that's like a I mean I think cats just eat plants in order to throw up. Is that so. what it is? Maybe they're feeling sick and they just like eat them and they're just like, okay, cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, I know when Sancho when he gets to the house plants, uh if I see him chewing on one, you know, within like 2 hours, I'm a, I'm gonna find like a little thing of puke. Yeah. I think that's what they do. They just do that cuz they're like, I don't know, I guess I'll just throw up. I want some attention. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's that i don't know they are yeah. insidious little bastards <laughs> yeah thankfully sancho isn't a pukey cat he's only done it maybe i don't know five ten times since yeah. i've had him which is pretty good for a year for a cat you know some cats they just stay puking all night long yeah like you know what i mean they just leave in little puke piles <laughs> steady all night puking yeah dude um and that's uh, frankly squad goals man like i would love to to be able to say that i could just puke all night long and just be fine yeah but, dude the boys out here puking yeah unfortunately i can't and i just like retain all my calories like yeah I, dude getting that good seafood slop slop ugh, and trough too bad man i wish that i could just be like a slender like fucking puke boy but i guess those days are in my future and and not in my past so one day yeah we'll, well then then you would look like uh david Thewlis from what is it season three of fargo when he's got them nasty ass teeth because he's bulimic gross uh, i've never seen the show and i it's a great I, show what the fuck's wrong with you i don't you, i mean buddy you know like, <laughs> okay I don't, yeah I we've don't discussed watch, this on the pod yeah i don't Maybe watch tv a, like it's just not a quarter I, I, of every pod episode we've discussed your disdain for tv it's not even disdain it's just an inability it's 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 <laughs> This is my my learning disability is that I can't binge TV. Yeah. That's my that's my crutch in life. Yeah. I don't say that to diminish uh, real learning disabilities, but I have a very hard time uh, <laughs> watching more than one episode of any TV show, even if I love it. And oh. I'm actually pretty sure that's why me and my ex girlfriend broke up because I think <laughs> at the end of the day she just like wanted to watch TV shows with me, and I couldn't do it. And I think that's the main reason. And I've decided that, and I'm discarding any other. Uh, explanation. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I'm, and I'm not gonna Sancho, work. What in the what in the fuck? Are you... <laughs> I'm not gonna work on anything. That's my point. I'm not gonna change a thing about myself. My cat just came sprinting from the other room, ran under my bed, immediately got out, jumped on my bed, jumped off on the other side, and just sprinted right back behind me. Oh jeez. He's yeah. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Oh, he's going real rambunctious there. Yeah, yeah, he's running around like a, some kind of guy. What kind of guy are you there, right? Eh? Uh huh. <laughs> Just yeah. sit down, right, have anyway, yourself a um, lemon square, and let's watch the evening news. Like, why are you being such a punk? You know, go kick rocks, okay, <laughs> bud? Kick rocks with flip-flops, pal. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, do you want to just, like, dive into this shit? Well, I guess first, real quickly, uh, yeah. I want to say, Dune fucking owned. Yeah, Dune was great. I really yeah. liked Dune. And uh, I've actually talked to a couple friends who have watched it since, and yeah. they all liked Dune, too. Um, yeah friend of the pod dylan listens to every episode uh texted me the other night and was like yo i'm 100 percent into this movie this is so good and yeah. then i saw him again the other day and he was like just want to reiterate to you because i don't know if i made it clear enough i loved that movie and i was like yeah it's a good one <laughs> yeah so, dude uh, yeah, uh, some good feedback yeah yeah i i already watched it a second time i watched it on saturday yeah on hbo max it was uh just as good. I started it, but I was it was you know Saturday night, but I had just worked a double because like after yeah. we hung out, I had to go in and work like twelve hours, and then I got home and then I watched Dune, but I watched like the first fifteen minutes of Dune, and then and the then, movie finished, but I was fully asleep for the rest of it. So I, <laughs> according to HBO Max, I've watched that movie like four times, but I just like try to pick up where I left off, and then I fall asleep, and then the whole yeah. three hour movie finishes, and I wake up and like 
my little iPad is open and I'm just like I yeah. Just, but I also shouldn't be watching it on an iPad anyway. I've got this big old yeah. 4K TV that I bought. yeah you got a big ass TV dog. I do, and I bought it and I bought it to like watch movies and shows like with my ex girlfriend, and then we just never <laughs> did because I don't watch yeah. shows or movies. So. Well, shit. These are the fucking again. That's the I'm pretty sure that's the main reason that we broke up is yep. the TVs and shows. Yeah, the shows and TVs. Uh, sorry, t- movies and shows. Oh yeah, yeah movies, no, and shows. movies and shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, waste yeah, the money. no, it, waste the money. It fucking owned. I might watch it again this weekend, but you know, I don't know. I did watch Carnival of Souls, which is pretty swag. Carnival it's, of Souls um, is what? It's from like 1962. It's like a horror movie, but you know. It's like right in that period of horror. You know, horror movies from like the fifties and sixties are goofy as hell. Isn't but, there a um, Kiss album? What? Isn't there a Kiss album, Carnival of Souls? I, I don't know. Oh. But um, but uh, this one is uh, it was pretty swag. Uh, there's just like this woman who like is in a car accident and then where like a bunch of people like three the three people in the car die when they like go off the bridge, but then mysteriously like hours later she walks out of the water like font mysterious seemingly fine but then she starts getting like stalked by this like weird looking dude with like black paint on his face and shit like not like black face but like on his eyes and shit and then um it's uh david lynch calls it one of his like inspirations and you can definitely get that you get some like lost highway vibes from the movie so it was pretty decent sure well interesting all right let's check it out yeah, it was cool. It's on Turner Classic Movies on uh, HBO Max, so right. it's the Criterion version. So is that like a separate subscription? Criterion. What's that? Do you have to pay extra for Turner Classic Movies? No, it comes with it. Oh, it comes with it. Okay. Yeah, so that's like, you know, you, a lot of like the Criterion versions of movies are on HBO Max, which is awesome. That's cool. Uh, I was going to buy Carnival of Souls. I probably wouldn't watch it again, so I'm happy I didn't. Um, like, it was a decent movie, but... Cool. I never sit and watch movies by myself. I love movies. I, I like movies too, but I just don't sit and watch them. Same with TV. Yeah. Like I just, I just don't. I'll sit and watch like guitar videos on YouTube for fucking. It's four called hours. movie mindset, bud. You got to get into it. Movie I know. Mindset. I'm not in the movie mindset. I guess I should yeah. get into the movie mindset. I guess what else am I fucking doing with my life right now, right? Like, I may as well get well, into the it's fucking... Like a, it's about to be winter in I New guess England. So. Like, well, so, what the fuck else you got to do? I know, nothing. Like, it turns, it turns dark out. It's going to be turning dark at, like, 4 p.m. soon. I know, and I'm just going to be the saddest of boys unless I get into the movie mindset. Yeah, movie mindset, but... Which, to me, sounds like almost it's like a, some sort of, like, Super Saiyan type thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, your hair will go gold. Yeah. What's left? I'll have like six spiky <laughs> gold hairs on top of yeah, my Yeah, you'll head. see a few gold hairs. Just a few little like spiky, short, 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 but spiky and a, gold for sure. A gold bulb right in the front and yeah. then nothing. And then... It's not nothing, bro. You always exaggerate my baldness. There's no nothing. I have no bald spots. I just have thinning spots. And there is a bulb up front, 100%. You will have the bulb soon. Yeah, but I mean, it's looked like this for like ten years. So like, that's true. Yeah, it's it's not happening fast. Like yeah, I'm not it's, like it's slow. racing into baldness. I'm I'm creeping into baldness. Yeah, you know, I've been balding since I was twenty, and it's yeah. just slowly, slowly progressing. <laughs> yeah, thank God you weren't one of those guys that went clean bald. No, by like twenty one. Oh, in my hot years, I had hair, and I squandered yeah. it because I didn't know I was hot. So now my goal is to get hot again, and I'll just look like Jason Statham. Hot and bald. Yeah, I'll just be one of those hot, hot bald guys. Yeah. And that'll just be fine. 
I'll just keep my facial hair and everything will be good. Anyway, we got to get started. Yeah. Because this is a stupid episode and there's a lot of stupid to get through. Okay. Um, All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. Let's start the show. So, uh, <laughs> an introduction. The yeah. Viking Age. It's been a subject of fascination for students of history for centuries. You know, you like the Viking Age. I like the Viking Age. Yeah. Um, the notion of these famous seafaring warriors and conquerors has gone through numerous phases, from the Catholic-driven revulsion of these filthy pagan beasts uh, up through the romantic Germanic revivalism of the 19th century, which is typified in Wagner's Der Ring das Nibelungen. Uh, and if you've seen the trope of a heavyset woman with Viking horns and a spear singing opera, you've got it. Yeah. Bugs Bunny did it really well. Yeah. Uh, great, great. <laughs> also rendition. in the 877 crash. No. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, it's a commercial. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> most recently, the Viking craze. Oh, I, I don't. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, put, I thought uh, I didn't think you said eight seven seven cash now. I thought you said some word that I didn't recognize. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was just... sorry. I didn't think that you said eight seven seven cash now. What I thought you said was hate Bevin Bevin Bashgal, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? What a dumbass. <laughs> I mean, basically. Oh, I was like, oh, oh, eight okay, seven sure. seven cash now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so most recently the Viking craze has had another super major resurgence in the last, you know, five, ten years with, uh, popular TV shows, films, video games, exploring the various areas of Norse culture and mythology, often with a heavy emphasis on the action adventure aspect of the subject matter. And here's the thing, um, a lot of that stuff, the action and the adventure does have a basis in fact, um, between the late 18th and early 12th centuries, I'm sorry, the late 8th and early 12th centuries, a particular subgroup of the Scandinavian peoples surged out of their frigid homeland and poured into the surrounding European lands in search of glory, riches, and fertile lands to colonize. Uh, these were the actual Vikinger, or sea raiders and warriors. Um, most Scandinavians lived much less exciting lives, and in fact, these raiders were generally only part-time badasses, spending the bulk of their time tending to their homes and their crops and their families. The Vikings became widely feared throughout Christendom for their tendency to target churches and monasteries because, uh, well, churches and monasteries always had really good stuff in them. And um, they were also completely populated by just guys who didn't want to fight because <laughs> they were... farn was asking for it yeah they, they, they should have checked what they were wearing um <laughs> so um yeah, these dude, those monks man they if they just if they would it, honestly if the monks of lindisfarne had just been like more conscious of their surroundings maybe it wouldn't have been a problem they shouldn't have gone out at night yeah and if they didn't in want their, it why in did their they, priory why did they have their heads shaved that way like it's yeah. just 
naturally the enticing. The tonsure is a naturally uh, sexual haircut. Entirely seductive, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's an erotic haircut. But on top of that, churches always had, like, just, like, really good shit in them. Like, gold and stuff that they just hoarded and sat on and did nothing And with. I know that because I've played as Vikings in Crusader Kings. Yeah, I was right before this show. Like, right before this show. <laughs> yeah. Just to get in the mood. Um, <laughs> so, the Vikings would go on to establish long-lasting colonies in the Baltic, the British Isles, Iceland, Greenland, coastal France, uh, down the Volga River into what is now Ukraine. They would also serve yep. the Byzantine emperors as the Varangian Guard, which is really cool. Um, yeah. They were, like, his, like, his foreign guards who would just do tours of duty fighting for the Greeks in, like, a local ship. In Miklagard. In Miklagard, the Middle, Middle Earth. Yeah, and uh, they would they would just <clears throat> do you know some time down there and fucking make some yeah, money they would, and they would pull their fucking boats out of the rivers and just run them across to another river. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> that, they that's were, how they ho- river hopped down in, down to uh, the Black Sea. Yeah, crazy people. I mean, and, and that's just a testament to like the type of people we're dealing with. They had these like super lightweight uh, sea and river worthy boats, and they could just they could just get basically anywhere. And they were yeah. some of the first people that could do that. They were like maybe the first European sea power in a true sense, in that they had access to as much of the known world as just about anybody on Earth at that point. Yeah. Um, and including open ocean, as opposed to like you know the Carthaginians or the Greeks, who were, you know maybe were good at at you know seafaring in the Mediterranean, but yeah, that's yeah, a lot yeah. different than like hopping in the Atlantic and like crossing crossing the English Yeah, you're Channel. never like, too far from land in the Mediterranean. Right, right. And it's so surrounded by land on all sides that even when there are storms and there's bad weather, it's just never the same as being on the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, but yeah, you got like a million islands too, so you just like, yeah, you know, right. pop over to Malta or some shit. And you can look at um, the Polynesians who around the same time, if not a little earlier, were traveling way further and doing much more impressive yeah. voyaging but they didn't combine that with like uh this very european idea of like yeah, let's fucking kill everybody also like, we're gonna <laughs> yeah. do it but also yeah let's, let's fucking, fucking kill, kill everybody, everybody and take all their shit so the vikings are kind of unique in the sense that they were um very warlike and they wanted your shit but they also were like traders and they were um farmer they were just very complex they're they're actually interesting and uh yeah. not in the way that a lot of like modern white supremacists think they are <laughs> um, they were they were much more nuanced than that, and they're not like to be admired necessarily in the sense that some of these weird shitty like neo Nazis admire them. But they're just fascinating. Yeah. They're just a fascinating people. Um, so as I said, they they not only were interested in like fighting and killing, but they were interested in trade and commerce. Um, they also had this really vibrant religious and poetic and mytholog- mythological tradition. Um, yep. A lot of which has survived through mostly like the Icelandic sagas, which were written like years and years later by um, Christians. And so they have a very sort of biased view, but they give us a really nice look into um, the Viking tradition and the late Germanic tradition. So think Odin, Loki, Thor. So anyway, uh, all of this will eventually come to a close when the Vikings sort of combination assimilate into the areas that they colonized culturally, uh, convert to Christianity and by the 12th century, it's safe to say that the Viking Age is basically over. Um, however, it did produce some legendary figures, which are still known to this day. Um, who hasn't heard at this point of the great Ragnar Lothbrok and his many sons? I've heard of him. You've heard of him. And they yep. had amazing names. All of his kids had some of the yep. best names in Viking history. Yeah, I did. Snake in the Eye. <laughs> Sigurd Snake in the Eye. Hafdan Whiteshirt. 
Ivar the Boneless and, uh, <laughs> and Uba. I love that one. <laughs> Uba. Yeah, the Ivar the Boneless thing is really interesting because there's a lot of like conjecture about why he was called that. Like they're, yeah. they're like either he was like so flexible and live in combat that it looked like he had no bones or he had like some sort of disease that like, <laughs> you know, some sort of like wasting disease or he lost an arm or like who knows? They just don't yeah. know. But all the, these guys uh, had these that, cool ass names. Yeah, the same thing is with uh, Charles the Bald. Mm-hmm. Uh, people speculate that he was called Charles the Bald. Uh, either because he was bald, um, because he had an insane head of hair, or possibly that um, he did not have any lands when his father uh, oh. like died, and you know the succession went through, and so he was called bald, as in like the landless. Right. And yeah, then uh, Pepin the Short was very tall, so you know, right. they 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 had jokes. Yeah, these <laughs> the guys all had jokes. People. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. They just it's like you know you have a big tall friend, you call him tiny. Like that's yeah. That's just what it is. Um. So there's like all these people. There's Eric the Red, Leif Erikson, um, yeah. less known but known to people like us. Maybe you've maybe heard of Canute the Great, who's the founder yep. of the the short-lived North Sea Empire. If you're into Crusader Kings, you've definitely heard of Jarl Hastein, yep. uh, who would terrorize the coasts of France and England in the ninth century. Yeah, but there is there is one Viking hero that you likely haven't heard of, because while he was certainly impressive. He was perhaps slightly less impressive than some of his contemporaries. And that's not to say that he wasn't great, because he totally was. And he did some really remarkable things, the echoes of which are still felt today. It's just that, you know, well, well, you'll see. We don't have to yeah. talk too much. And we're talking, of course, about Rolf Brown Breaches. And that's who are the subject of our, of our Brown Breaches today. Brown Breaches. <laughs> Um, so before we begin, it's probably fair to the listener to make an important disclaimer. Rolf, like many of these other important figures that we've mentioned, has actually become a semi-legendary figure, and this means that there are many different accounts of his actions and his exploits, not all of which line up. Uh, there is also not a perfect timeline of events detailing his precise location at any given time. Now, Because of this, there are reports of Rolf participating in all sorts of wild adventures, not all of which line up with the established historical record, or even his own previous words and deeds. Now, lots of early Viking Age history is like this, with fact and legend weaving around one another to create a rich tapestry, which is, if not super accurate, at least incredibly enriching to read. Now, most of Rolf's life is known to us through works completed long after his demise, by perhaps less than sympathetic authors working themselves from second or even third-hand source material as they attempt to weave the pieces of his story together. Mm -hmm. The most well-known of these is the 12th century work of poetic history known as the Hrolfinger Saga, or the Saga of the Line of Hrolf. Now, 
This work was completed in 1172 by the acclaimed Christian scald Balki the Bald, who was known for injecting a degree of disdain for pagans like Rolf into his work. Now, nonetheless, this is the most complete history that we have of Rolf's life and adventures and provides mm -hmm. for riveting source material. And the rest of what we have comes in bits and pieces. Uh, there is very little first-hand account, especially of Rolf's early years, though there are numerous runic inscriptions and recounted verbal traditions that fill in some of the gaps for us. So we're going to talk a little bit about his early years, because I think it's important to give what we know of the foundation uh, that became the legend of Rolf Brown Breaches. Yep. So little is known, <clears throat> truthfully, of the earliest years of the man who would become Rolf Brown Breaches. In Balki the Bald's saga, we read that he was born in the mid to late 8th century in a small village on the Norwegian coast called Mosfenfurfer, where his family primarily fished for their livelihood. Uh, his father was reportedly also named Hrolf, and so in this childhood he would have been known as Hrolf, Hrolfsson, or Hrolf, son of Hrolf. Uh, Hrolf would have worked alongside his father from an early age, and it seems that though their life was hard, it was content and uh, relatively prosperous. Mm-hmm. In keeping with the tradition of the time, his father likely also engaged in occasional raids across the Baltic Sea into north-central Europe to bring back what meager plunder and slaves they could muster. Uh, these raids were organized by the lord of Mosfenfulfer, the Jarl Bigsack. Uh, <laughs> Bigsack was said to be a lenient Jarl, though yep. lacking in ambition. Uh, and he was reluctant to expend men or gold on extravagant raiding missions, instead preferring to pluck the meager scraps belonging to the similarly impoverished peoples across the Baltic. <laughs> it's not much, but it's an honest living, he is quoted as saying. Now, whom amongst us? <laughs> Very sympathetic character, Big Sack. Yeah, a, a man of my own, my own heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's from these raiding. It's from one of these raiding parties that the second most important character in our story appears. One of Hrolf the Elder's shipmates, Jon Magnusson, was killed by a thrown potato while raiding in the land of the Latvians. And with his dying breath, he asked Hrolf to take his young son Hardy into his care and service. Uh, so Hrolf the Elder agreed, and it was on this day that the legendary friendship between Hrolf Brownbreeches and Hardy Jonsson was founded. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> The two would prove to be inseparable companions <laughs> yes, yeah. till the end of their days, when it was said they died within minutes of one another after being yeah, kicked they, by the same mule. Yeah, They're a veritable uh, Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself talking about them dying. Um, yeah. The rest of Hrolf's childhood is shrouded by the fog of time, and so we will push forward uh, to the point where his true legend begins. Um, so around the time of Hrolf's 16th birthday... The call came from the Jarl's hold that the Jarl had died. It was said that he had slipped on a frozen puddle of urine in his feasting hall, skating along the floor and being hurled bodily into the roaring fireplace, where he was burned so thoroughly to a crisp that hardly a trace of him remained. Uh, and this seemed entirely plausible to everyone at the time, so when his son, Smallsack, finished his irons, <laughs> fished his iron circlet from the ashes and named himself Jarl in his father's stead, nobody batted an eye. Uh, this lad was strong, brave, and he'd performed admirably in two raids, betting several buxom wenches, though apparently living up to the entirely coincidental pun in his name, or so the rumor went at the time. Yep. His first decree was to call for a raid, though this raid was to be unlike any the people of Molsvenfulfer had yet experienced. You see, Smallsack, 
had recently become aware that some other enterprising Vikings had earlier that same year launched a raid on some kind of holy temple across the sea in a place called Lindisfarne. Now, they had found only weak, unarmed holy men guarding untold riches, so they killed them all and they took their shit. And we know that this, uh, we now know that this was the Christian monastery on an island in the English kingdom of Northumbria. Uh, but all Smallsack cared about was the killing and the gold part. So he set out to organize a raid. Yeah, he wanted their shit. He did. And who wouldn't? It's good yeah, shit. Look at all my shit. Yeah, go take it. Uh, so needless to say, Hrolf and Hardy were ecstatic <laughs> at the opportunity. Imagine. Glory in battle, the taste of victory, the unrivaled ecstasy of driving your axe through the skull of some foreign priest praying to their false gods in the name of mighty Odin. So they got their shit together, they borrowed some of Hrolf the Elder's gear, and they signed up. And this was going to be so fun. Yep. But here's the thing. It kind of sucked, because Hrolf immediately realized that he did not like traveling by longship. Uh, he had only ever sailed in the coastal waters near his home, and being on the open ocean gave him a serious case of gravy pants. It's said that he spent as much time with his top half hanging over the deck as he did his bottom half, and that this did not let up until they had reached sight of their target, a small monastery on the coast of Wessex called St. Bartholomew's at Beans on Toast. Now, it's here that a defunct... What's so funny? <laughs> yeah, uh, just uh, yeah, the Beans on Toast part, probably. Yeah, well, you know England. Yeah, they're very, uh, <laughs> they're very serious about their Beans on Toast. Strange naming conventions. Uh, it's here that a defining moment occurs for Hrolfer. You see, as his longship was approaching the shore, the chop of the waves caused a great rocking of the ship, and Hrolfer felt his stomach churn. Please be from up top, he prayed. Please let it come from up top. <laughs> it did not. And so, as his ship was beaching, and the men began to race ashore, shouting their battle cries, Hrolfer was only halfway through a one-way trip to Brown Town. Come on, Hrolfer, shouted Hardy Jonsson. We cannot miss the start of the raid. We will be called cowards. <laughs> Knowing that his friend spoke the truth, Hrolfer heaved himself off the edge of the boat, pulled his breeches up, grabbed his gear, and did his best to ignore whatever else might be happening as he raced towards the impending fray. Now, the raid was a success, and much loot was gathered. And as the triumphant Vikings headed back to their longboats with axes bloodied and chests laden with gold and jewels and relics, some fellow shipmate, perhaps it was Gorm One Tooth or Smigus the subtly cross-eyed, noticed a distinctive smell. Who shipped themselves, they called out. And before long, everyone on the crew realized that young Hrolfa, who had fought bravely, despite his incontinence, had a large, damp patch of brown in the rear of his breeches. Thus... His lifelong honorific was born. And from this day forth, this great warrior would be known as Brown Breeches, and he would wear it as a badge of honor. Literally, he kept those pants, and he wore them on every raid as a badge of honor. It's kind of like uh, the vocalist from... Um, Black Dahlia Murder? Yeah, Black Dahlia, who just wears those dank shorts through Same every dirty. Tour. Yeah, they're so, yeah, he can stand them up on their own because yeah, they're, yeah, so, they're like, so crusty. starched with fucking gunk. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> So kind, his, kind of like that. Maybe he was inspired his, by Hrolf. <laughs> Maybe. These are his lucky brown pants. Rappers are monkey flipping with the funky rhythm. I be kicking. Musician, inflicting composition of pain. I'm like Scarface sniffing cocaine. Holding an M16. See, with the pen, I'm extreme. Now, 
bullet holes left in my peak holes. I'm shooting up with street clothes. Hand me a nine and out defeat foes. Y'all know my steelo with or without the airplay. I keep some E and J sitting bent up in the stairway. I either on the corner betting grants with the CeeLo champs. Laughing at base heads, trying to sell some broken amps. G packs get off quick forever. Niggas talk shit. Reminiscing about the last time the task force flipped. Niggas be running through the block shooting. Time to start the revolution. Catch yeah. Uh, so after this point, um, Hralfa would go on to have many great adventures, um, and we don't have enough time in this episode to go into great detail about all of them, but suffice it to say that they're, they're fantastic. There's a lot of them. And so I included the first couple of them uh, in the saga of Hralfa Brown Breaches here for your enjoyment. Okay, um, So the first story is the time that Hralfa Brown Breaches and Hardy Jonsson joined a crew of Swedes. Uh, who were intent on sailing down the Volga into Byzantine lands in search for gold in service of this great emperor they kept hearing about. Now, Hrolfer and Hardy had heard tales of the famous Varangians, Norse warriors who were in the Byzantines' employ, and how they were well rewarded for their expertise in combat. So they hopped aboard and they headed south. Mm-hmm. However, en route, the ship became engulfed in a strange fog somewhere in a strange and distant forest. Soon, unable to safely navigate, the leader of the expedition signaled that they should beach the craft and find somewhere to camp until the fog cleared. Now, Hrolf spotted an old crumbling tower in the fog, and he suggested that they camp there, and so they set out to do so. It's always a good place to camp. I think so. A foggy tower engulfed in mist that you can't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, some strange tower. May strange or may ruins. Not be, um, uh, may or may not be um, have anybody living in it. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the best ones. With any yeah, luck, no idea. with any luck, there won't be. <laughs> uh, so, having set up camp and consumed a good deal of mead, uh, the men found themselves suddenly sleepy, and they all drifted off. Suddenly, Hrolfa found himself awake, with the fire out and the rest of the men peacefully snoring. In the distance, he spotted a strange green glow coming from outside the tower. He reached over and he shook hard awoke slowly and indicated wordlessly towards the light. Hard nodded, and the two grabbed their weapons and headed outside. What greeted them was unlike anything they had ever seen. Where before there had been only dead grass and fog, now there was a large and well-illuminated field, ringed with a dirt footpath, within the center of which lay a small raised mound. The entire field was ringed with torches, burning a ghastly green flame. In front of the men was a small silver serving platter, and then at three regular intervals circling the footpath were three tall wooden poles. Now, bewildered at the sight, the men were shaken from their revelry by a sudden voice behind them. They turned to see a hideously deformed, hunched, elven-looking creature, nearly human and yet clearly not so, flashing a wicked grin and squinting at them with one eye. The other eye was covered with a dirty eye patch. In fact, all of his garments were tattered and dirty. I am Florb! spoke the creature in a high-pitched squeal. And I rule this keep. You who have disturbed me have fallen under my spell, and must now play my little game, else you and your comrades shall slumber eternally here. <laughs> so the men went for their weapons. <clears throat> but Florb spoke harshly. Stop! You cannot harm Florb! Florb is eternal! The only escape is through completion of my game. <laughs> yeah, Florb sucks. Yeah, fuck this guy. I thought it was going to be a Menahune. That would have been cool. Oh, well, you know. 
<laughs> different place, different time. That's one of the, the it's a Svartalf. It's a Svartalf, a dark elf. <laughs> All right, foul creature, we will play our game. Name the rules and let's get on with it, said Rolf, clearly hungover and irritated. Well now, said Florb, that wasn't so hard, was it? Now, it's simple, really. I will stand on that raised mound there in the center of the diamond path. I will hurl a sheep's head at you, which you must cleave in two with your sword or axe. I will give you three tries to do this. And should you cleave the head, you must take three golden rings and run around <laughs> the path, attempting to place a golden ring on each pole before returning here to this silver platter, which I call home plate. The two men glanced <laughs> at each other, incredulous. Hard Jonsson raised an eyebrow and Hrolf chuckled. Anyway, continued Florb, ignoring this, if I can catch you and tag you with sheep's blood, you are disqualified, or as I say, out. If not, you score a point. You will alternate point. attempts in this until I have gotten you out three times, then I will try my hand at cleaving the skulls, wherein the rules will be the same. We will repeat this nine times, what I call innings, until one of us has scored three points. Has scored points. more points. And then, when you have undoubtedly lost, I will devour your souls along with your friends. What do you think of that? So seeing that they had little choice, the men agreed. Points. And Rolfa stepped up to the silver platter, or um, home plate, to use Florb's terms. Yes. Uh, so Florb let out a cackle. Yeah, we wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to no. uh, misnomer any of Florb's, uh, Florb's exactly gaming devices here. These are these are old Norse terms, and yeah. we're going to use them accurately. Yeah. Uh, so Florb lets out a cackle, and as quick as lightning, he hurls a large white sheep's head directly at Rolfa. Uh, not having had time to draw his sword, Hrolfa curses, fumbles, and he's not quick enough. And Florb falls over laughing, clutching at his wrinkled pot belly. <laughs> Foolish man thinks this is Florb's game, and Florb always wins. Unwilling to be mocked, Hrolfa set his jaw, took a two-handed grip on his sword, and squared up, ready to swing. And this time he was ready. When Florb hurled his next sheep's head a little high into the right, he was ready and he lashed out, cleaving it in two. Suddenly, three golden rings appeared at his feet. He grabbed them and he began to sprint. He managed to drop the last ring onto its post before Florb, stunned at his failure, hurled, at, hurled himself at Frolfer, his hands now smeared in bright red sheep's blood. Luckily, Frolfer was able to step onto the silver plate at just the last second, and Florb was enraged. Drats! he cried. Double drats! Poopy! Pee-pee on you, Frolfer brown breeches! You have cheated, Florb! <laughs> No cheating creature, I am Rolf for brown breeches. I need not cheat to impress the likes of you. And so the game progressed. And Floor proved himself to be a great competitor, for after all, he had invented this game. However, the combined might of Rolf for brown breeches and Hard Jonsson proved just about his match. In fact, it was in Florb's last at bat, I mean, uh, attempt at cleaving the sheep's heads, and thus mm. his last. Uh, Attempt of the ninth inning, to use Florb's oh. terms again, uh, that the two men were ahead nine to eight. And knowing that Florb had only to score once to tie the game and bringing it into extra innings, the men were prepared for anything. So Hardy, who had proved the superior thrower of sheep's heads, wound up and attempted a split seam fast head. <laughs> uh, he was shocked when Florb flicked his wrist and cleaved the skull in two. Without hesitating, the creature began to dash about, placing rings. Uh, Hardy tried to tag him with his sheep's blood, but failed, and by now Florb was rounding second. 
Unsure of what to do and having no sheep's blood on his hands, Hrolfr thought to himself, what would the trickster Loki do? And suddenly <laughs> it came to him. Hey, Florb, your breeches are untied and your puckered manhood is showing. <laughs> and Florb stopped dead in his tracks. Huh? Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. That is just so embarrassing. Hey, wait. I don't even wear a breech. But it was too late. Hardy has regained his feet, dashed over, and smeared the tiny elf with blood. The game was won. Florb, clearly furious but unsure how to proceed, had no choice but to admit defeat. Fare thee well, hateful and deceitful men. This trickery will not be forgotten, but the day is yours for now. But know thee this. I come in clutch in the postseason. This is not the last you'll see of Florb. Mm. Then... As if by magic, which of course it was, the elf vanished and the field was simply grass, and the sun began to rise in the east, burning off the fog. Hardy and Hrolfer looked at one another, flabbergasted, as the first stirrings of their crewmates began emanating from the tower. Hrolfer, Hardy said, confused, Hrolfer, I think we have just discovered baseball. And that they had. That they had. You know, I think the Finns still play this, although they call it Pesapalo. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's a very ancient. So apparently, Leif Erikson brought this to the Americas uh, <laughs> in the 12th century when he arrived in Canada, and it's been the yeah. the national sport of of this continent ever since. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how that bodes for us in terms of uh, rewriting history, but mm. seems to be pretty tough to tough to deny. So yeah, so they invented baseball, which I think is really important, and a lot of people overlook that just because it's not like, you know, a war with the English or something. one more story from the saga which i want to include today. i would hope so yeah oh yeah we're not done um yeah. so the other the next story um in balki the bald's uh Rolfinger saga yep. is uh the story of the wettest semen uh <laughs> <Ooh>. it's another <laughs> another famous Tell story of all about it, breaches. uh um, it's the last one we have time for today. So, sometime okay. after returning from their, their, their stint with the Varangian Guard, now strong men in their 20s, Hrolfer and Hardy returned to Mosfenfulfer, some gold in their pockets and stories to be told. Uh, in addition to their earthly exploits, they also began telling the story of how they had defeated the elf Florb at his game of sheep's heads. Now, the tales of their exploits quickly spread all the way to the hall of the Jarl Smolsak, who knew that he must have these men on his next raid. But he also felt that he must first test their mettle himself. And so he sent word that he would speak to Hrolfa Brownbreeches and Hard Jonsson himself at once. 
Yep. So, Yarl asked the men to lead a small single boat mission up the coast to the village of Bjorningtonville, another village under his protection from whom he had not received tribute in several years, and who must be reminded of to whom they were sworn. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Sounds good, said Rolfer. Okay, great, yes, very nice. <laughs> How much? Um, <laughs> so the Jarl told them that he would outfit his strongest ship, give them a retinue of his own men, and they would set forth in the morning. And this sounded pretty tight, honestly. Uh, so the two men left <laughs> the keep deal. in good spirits and were halfway back to the mead hall to share news of their new task when a beautiful young woman ran up to them, begging for a moment of their time. Please, good sirs, I am begging for a moment of your time. After a quick glance and a smirk, Hrolfa brown breeches and hard Jonsson faced the woman. Of course, young lady, said Hrolfa, though he expected she was likely his own age. Sirs, I have come all this way, over land, through tundra and treachery, from the village of Bjorningtonville, to appeal to the Jarl himself for aid. Surely not the Bjorningtonville, to which we are to sail tomorrow, interrupted Hardy. Have you not paid tribute in years, and now you send to ask the Jarl for aid? And why did you not come by boat? This route is far too dangerous for anyone. The very same, sir, answered the girl, eyes downcast. You see, the problem is that there is a mighty storm that blows day and night between this village and my own. And for two years this squall has just blown and blown and blown, never stopping, just on a really nice consistent pace. <laughs> and the thing is, it is just too much for... <laughs> any man to sail through <laughs> the rain is just too fierce and the sails become waterlogged in fact everything just becomes so damp so insufferably and moistened that it is impossible to traverse without turning back and so i am begging the jarl to find a way to end our suffering that my we might resume normal tribute and be back in his good graces have you not told the jarl of this yourself asked rolfer because i mean this sounds kind of nuts Yes, sir, just now, right before you. He said he had to find the right men for the job. But we just cannot wait, sirs. We need aid now. Please, you look like mighty warriors. Will you help? Ralfer pulled Hardy aside and whispered, Surely the Jarl means to test us, to see if we are worthy <laughs> of entering his service. We must undertake this quest, whatever <laughs> under whatever guise it was given, and prove that we are indeed worthy. So the two agreed. And the next day they boarded the Jarl's longship with goods and supplies and a crew for the journey and headed north towards Bjorningtonville. Before long, they beheld the storm. It was truly ferocious, with black clouds and lashing rain. It looked as if Thor himself was battling the great serpent Jormungandr within the tempest, for the waves and the rain were so fierce. Now, Hrolfr was mostly cured of his seasickness at this point. Though okay, this storm, so he was he was not browning his britches anymore. No, he was wearing his brown britches because he always wore his brown britches when he went on a mission. Uh, but he was no longer freshly browning. His yeah, britches. well, they're his lucky brown britches. There's lucky he brown britches from his first raid. Further. Yeah, so he he's got to wear them. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you got like listen, lady, I got to wear the brown. Britches. I'm wearing the brown britches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So he's mostly cured of his seasickness, um, but he looks at the okay. storm. He's like, this is crazy. This is a lot. Says, oh, well, onward, he cried. And so the longship entered the furious storm. And boy, did they get wet. <laughs> at first, it was a manageable dampness. But soon, the dampness had given way to moistness and then to soakedness. Until before long, the entire crew felt as if they were made up mostly of water, which, of course, they were. But how could they have known that? 
They got it in their mouths, in their eyes, their faces, heck, even in their ears and in their butts. Just totally wet. And they'd never even been so wet before. And at the halfway mark, the crew began yelling that they should turn back, dry off, maybe sit by a nice fire so they weren't just so insufferably wet. But Hrolfer knew this was his test. He must endure the pruning of his fingers, the squelching of his socks, that annoying clogged up feeling in your ear when you get water in it and you can't shake it out because more water just gets in. Ugh. The Some storm. boys here. I know. And to think that humans could endure so much. Yep. The it's storm crazy must learning have... about the past. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> learning about the tribulations of those who came before My us. My God, can you imagine the moisture? <laughs> can oh. you imagine being just so damp? It just it's sounds like a so... wet dog, these <laughs> men. <laughs> like a wet blanket. I mean, anything. Think about anything really wet. Think about a thing. Now make that thing wet. Now think about that wet thing being you. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. There it is. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Um, so this storm must have been from the gods. Likely Thor. And sent as a test for any brave mortals who were worthy. And so they stayed the course. Uh, by the time they finally reached the edge of the storm, every man aboard was half drowned. And they looked like waterlogged bilge rats. When they pulled ashore, the townspeople came out, exclaiming aloud, They did it! These wet, wet seamen! They did it! The wettest seamen we've ever seen! Wet, wet seamen! And as they looked upon them, they saw that the storm had already begun to dissipate. So it was a test, muttered Frolfer, satisfied. <laughs> and so it was that the tribute of Bjorningtonville was restored to the Jarl Smallsack of Mosfenfulfer, and Hrolfer Brown Beaches and Hard Jonsson were admitted into his service and given command of their own longship. They would thereafter be known in song and saga as the wettest seamen. Ugh. <laughs> so, what do you, so what do you think of the story of uh, Hrolfer Brown Breaches? You've never heard of him, I'm sure. Um, you know, I had a... I, I had a couple of professors in college kind of mention him offhand, yeah. you know. Uh, in my uh, medieval history class, but it was more just you know oh yeah there was for you know yeah. brown britches, which yeah. is brown to britches, but and not, not too much you know. He was famously late for uh, for uh, the, the 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 invasion by the sons of Lothbrok. Yeah, he was uh, unfortunately uh... <laughs> the the last longship into the uh, yeah. the Seine River. <laughs> yeah, he he ran up at the end and was like wait for me, but oh. it was too late. Um, yeah. So he's kind of been lost. The so. city without me. <laughs> you won't see him on the show Vikings. You know, like no. he just, unfortunately, his his feats, while heroic, were just never, never quite he's as al- heroic. He's almost the anti Forrest Gump. He's just misses all of these events. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's more than capable, and yet finds himself, you know, just always like an hour late. And he's sort of just fulfilling the tasks that the other Vikings they were just a little too busy to get to, you know? Yeah. So he was willing to get very, very wet. Uh, very, very wet, very or, brown. Or play a game of uh, sheep's but heads. Yes. His propensity for being late to these events earned him a uh, sort of uh, moniker, Hrolfer the Heavy-Footed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hrolfer the Rarely Punctual. Hrolfer <laughs> yeah. the Often Late. Yeah. He had he had a lot of epithets, but yeah, it's. I think it's important that these like sort of lesser known figures in history be remembered, 
Um, and that's sort of why I wanted to bring him up on the podcast. And I hope that yep. there'll be time in the future to kind of, I hope that yep. there'll be time in the future to kind of dive back into yeah. the Rollfinger saga. Um, and I yeah. thought that maybe if at some point you might be interested in kind of tackling some of that. Yeah. Um, some, yeah. Some if of you those ever, tales. yeah, he was, he was never the first one over the wall or the second. The yeah. Third. Or even the third. Yeah. Or even the fourth, but uh, he'd he always get came. over the wall. Yeah, he would usually stumble towards the end, you know. And the battle might be over. Some dried beef or biltong or something. Biltong? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like dried beef. No, I know what it is. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's funny that he would have it. Um, And South African. That's all right. He went far. (laughs) That's true. He did go far. And that's actually one thing that I always forget to mention is that he's perhaps the most widely traveled of all the Vikings. Um, So you will see in his future exploits that he he goes basically everywhere. Um, Yeah. And people think that, you know, oh, Leif Erikson made it to Canada. Yeah, that's nothing, honestly. In fact, it's like embarrassing that he's so famous for that. Yeah, wait until we get to the Patagonian voyage of Rolfer. Yeah, you wouldn't believe he made it to Argentina, but believe yeah. it. Um, Where he, he met the headless men with just the face on their chest. Yeah, yeah. And instead of feet, they had hands. Instead of hands, they had feet. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I just thought it would be a fun uh, opportunity to kind of discuss one of my favorite uh short wikipedia article type people uh you know the yep. ones where it's just like a paragraph and there's no sub pages it's just like yeah well this is a guy he was famous for he got super wet one time yeah it'll say something like uh this article is only partially filled in you can help sure. by expanding it yeah also can you give us three dollars so that we don't fold yep. Ugh, yep. poor wikipedia i don't give them money though no fuck that i would never yeah. do that yeah i don't know why i use it often but i would never give them anything yeah they can they can kiss my ass. I ain't giving them shit. Or one day Jeff Bezos will buy it, and then it'll just be, like, immediately <laughs> compromised. <laughs> yeah. And I guess we could all avert that inevitability by well, donating. I mean, but... there, I mean, there was a – this was a few months ago. There was, like, a little spat on a – they talked about it on the podcast True and On. Yeah. Where, like, Brace Belden – I love True and On. I, yeah, it's amazing. But uh, Brace Belden is obviously famous, you know, uh, yeah. and he has, um, he has a Wikipedia page. And Wikipedia has a section where they'll list people's, uh, people's uh, like nicknames, and so Brace is always giving himself nicknames, you yeah. Know? And so on the podcast, and so people were listing it on the Wikipedia page, and finally some like power hungry editor was just like, "I'm going to need a citation for all of these like nicknames," and people were like, <laughs> literally Brace himself on his show True and On, and then the person yeah. just goes, "I'm removing all these. I don't think you can call a conspiracy podcast." <laughs> a source and it's like but a, he's a source the host. on anything it's like it's literally him Brace. yeah he's he's it's not just the show like it's the guy himself saying that's his nickname and yeah, they're just like yeah so, that's he not just removed mm-mm. all of them it was so funny <laughs> it's like on come town like they were all the puerto rican rattlesnake for a while yeah and i thought that was that was a funny bit that yeah, show used yeah. to be really funny yeah for sure and then they just stopped they just stopped being funny yeah dude I don't know what to do about True it. True and on's still great, though. True and on is still a great show. Right yeah, they're still funny as fuck. I like them a lot. Yeah. My favorite podcast right now is Ghost Stories for the End of the World. Like, God damn, yeah. man. That podcast got so good so fast. I just find it hard to listen to that guy's accent. <laughs> it's no, yeah, because he has, like, it's like not just, like, a, a, it's like, 
it's from Yorkshire, Yorkshire or so I looked yeah. it up. He's from Yorkshire. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he has has like a weird like affectation sometimes when he talks. Sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I love that. He also like produces the whole thing and he like makes the music for it. It's fucking. Oh, insane. that's cool. That's cool that he makes all the music. Yeah, I would love like, to get that, to the point where we could make to, like, more They used of our to do these different ones, but like he's released through their like Patreon feed. Like he made like this noise, like kind of like drone track, yeah, with his guitar, and then that was like the theme music for like an episode on MK Ultra. It was really cool. Damn, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'll have to check it out. I've only yeah. listened to a couple of his a couple of his episodes that you sent me. I listened to the series about the mafia, and that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like he took like a break, and then his like he came back this year, and since he's come back. It's just been like amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, so like the most probably good. like the last ten episodes are like just excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'll have to dive back in. Yeah, I just haven't. I don't know. I haven't been listening to anything. Like I haven't been listening to music. I haven't been listening to podcasts. I'm just been. I've just been a fucking only researching about crawl for brown breaches. Yeah, yeah. You've been on your crawl for kick. And that's the thing. When you get super into something, you gotta just go for it. Yep. When something just absorbs you as much as brown breeches, you gotta just dive head first into those breeches. You gotta get them breeches brown, baby. Once more into the breach, you just gotta fucking go. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's sort of how I imagine he felt, you know, when he was gearing up for that first raid and he's in the middle of having explosive diarrhea. And then he's just <laughs> oh, like please be from the top. <laughs> please be from the top. But you know what? <laughs> you can only you can only ask for something so many times before you have to just acknowledge that you know, things don't always work out the way that you want them to. Yeah. And I think the important moral of that story is, you know, if, if you you're shitting sometimes. your pants in an important moment where you're expected to rise to the occasion, maybe you just need to be a pants shitter, and you need to yeah, just, be just the hike guy. those pants up, let that shit Pull flow, and shit your make pants, make your y'all proud, and get it done. Yeah, you know, for y'all small suck. Yeah. So anyway, that's my episode. Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie and say I worked hard on it, but I did uh, work long on it, and. <laughs> <laughs> there was work done thank you so much for uh for listening there is still a J- japanese history episode coming i just had this yeah. idea and i was like I, what if like i did a whole episode that was a fucking bit and uh <laughs> i'm just kidding he's real but um <laughs> but what if you know and yeah. so luckily i found a real historical character that helped me fulfill that uh that that need for myself yeah yep that scratch that itch <laughs> that shit those pants absolutely all right let's shit these pants brother um all right cool so is there anything else you want to add uh yeah just the usual uh please we spread by word of mouth so please tell your friends your family your loved ones your hated ones um everybody tell literally everybody in your life about us (laughs) and we will love you your nana, your pet pep, your pastor your your lunch lady at school your Your lunch lady at school's wife your yeah, your 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 grandma, your grandpa, your whatever Evan calls his grandma and grandpa. Before and before. Well I, I know. Just before now, but Yeah. Well you well, still got to what you got you got a racist comment against the Portuguese, you wanna say? No. Not on air. That's what I thought. Oh <laughs> not on I'm air. ready for you off air, bro. I'm coming for oh. you. I am the most persecuted man in this country. <laughs> That's you. For just be just because everybody's jealous. And hateful yeah. that I am Portuguese. Of what you've got. Of yeah. your beautiful physique and your fabulous personality. What did I eat for dinner tonight? Caserlo. You wish you had Caserlo, right? Dude, I had some pork alentejana and I left all of it at your house and I'm fucking pissed about it. Yeah, that was like two months ago. I, no way. That was like less than a month ago, buddy. 
That was not less than a month ago. It might have been a month ago. I mean, I, I, that was when I broke up with Kristen, and like two days later, I came down to your house. So that's like five weeks ago. Okay, so in between our numbers. Closer to mine by weeks. Uh, three weeks closer to mine. Yeah, it was. You said close. less than a month. You said less than a month. I said two months. It was over one month. So QED. Yeah, but um, if it was one day less than a month, then it's still closer to mine. So accurate. And but so you didn't I say went. that. You said it was like, dude, that was less than a month. Yeah, and so less than a month. Yeah, but the way the inflection of the one, voice, one day the less than a month. No, no, anything up to and including one day less than a month. If it was one day less than a month, you would have said one month. But no, you didn't. Well, if it was three weeks, I would have just said three weeks. So it's really clearly it's in that three and a half to three and three quarters no, that's, period. That, uh, uh, no, that's never been the rule. No, that's, that's there's no the rule. rule. That's the three thing. and a half weeks. This is, is the one Wild month. West. Everybody this is the, says that as Evan, one this month. is the Wild Listen. West. This is the Wild West. Listen, you don't get to impose your logic on a world with no fucking rules. Okay, you don't get to just decide when and where logic applies because there is no logic. This is not. This is not a world constrained by your your shitty ideas that you learned in your philosophy class. This is not that. Okay? Don't talk to me about Listen. logical fallacies. Don't talk to me about the burden of proof. This is fucking This is this is this is the ether, man. This is too fucked up for me to even think about right now. I'm just going to go eat a cold can of Chef Boyardee and cry myself to sleep. <laughs> Fuck God this show, damn, man. I just... bro. All right. Anyway, uh, so so thank you for uh, tuning in again to Left on Red. Once again, I am Evan, aka the Piss Minister. Yeah, I'm joined as always by Cam, the Pepperoni Vicar. Yep, yep, that's me. And we will see you next time. Praise be. Yep. Praise be. <laughs> All right, bye. bye. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Gigi Vons and Sugar Dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the cork and see the Vega and get lit, what? 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 Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my heaven with levitation from Reefers, Trench and Defense and Eve 7 showboating with Rugas, Flash Vines, Belafonte, Digger. Let's get forward this work as we confiscate your figures. Casting over Brown, levitating Jiki and Dashikis, the Lahada car, 54, chasing diamond runners, headed ice band. The big chiller diamond convention, Harlem Buck Strut, freezing world heights, Hollywood, Madam Butterfly. Let me in your house, a pleasure. From the knuckle swatch, shadow watches catching black eye blue. I play the thief, what? Sensations at the Monte Gaurbi screaming Chiba Fulfilling pleasures in my castle Blow the smoke out The Goss of Vega substitutes When the Dutch is gone The load don't stop Give me shouts It's the season Sartayas Two flayers for swerving No corners We madness to moolah Living with Charlie's angels on us No smiling with sliding That gets you caught up in the octa Or dead for moving It's just like that as we proceed Saturday night special Better take it light You Jaja You're a Capitan Quest to the coast The key logo Wire the chain gang Keep your ears out for a year, sip the fountain blue, house of bamboo, paradise. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Gigi Vons and Sugar Dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, Nina Vega, and get lit, what? This is it, what? This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Gigi Vons and Sugar Dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, Nina Vega, and get lit, what? 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 Falling sparrow 
Those courtesies of Black Caesar that convince us silky days, satin nights, taking flight down the lawn. Sweet sensation, Spanish flying with the lady star face. Bottoms up, sunshine, love potion number nine. And we came from the magic city, transcendent, sweeter on your aura. Fancini in London, relaxation in Bora Bora. Got notion to bring it, sing it. Never been my function, stoning, robbing. We heisting, merchandise and gunning. Love it, leave it. But bless the war chief for his bison. Get it, got it. The low will forever be nice. The sunny fever, he be sipping on my red duh. Uh. The you gracious, he be sipping on my red duh. Uh. We float the trash, stay draped in the satin vines. This coolie hijack pack from the sugar shack. Then what we do after we sip the armor red duh? Uh. We start the Harlem River quiver, digging sweet daddy. Chopping the crimson blade, high Sierra serenade. Anatomy for seduction, be this yeah, ebony as junction. we exit the place with grace. Just the armor rather than bursting of clouds, it pours. Everything seems better on flats with love. We move. Only in the mess, it's slow, it's life And we can't get enough yeah, of this This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Jiki finds the sugar dimes, can't quit, what? Now pop the cork and see the Vega and get lit, what? This is it, what? This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Jiki finds the sugar dimes, can't quit, what? Now pop the cork and see the Vega and get lit, what? This is it, what? This is it,